Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And if you don't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African-American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. Today with me are my guests, co-host and media consultant of the Cincinnati Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? Fine. How are you, John? I'm doing well. Then we also have Circulation Director of the Cincinnati Herald, Wade Lacey Sr. How are you doing today, Wade? I'm doing fine. Good to be here. Good to have you. And then we also have our Herald intern, Suhana Sinhan. How are you doing today, Suhana? I'm doing fantastic, John. Thank you for having me here. Glad you're here. And we also have special guest, Royce Sutton, the Senior Vice President of Fifth Third Bank. How are you doing today, Royce? I am doing great. Great to be here. We're glad we can have you on the show. Now, before we head into our main topic, which is owning it, here are a few other topics of interest. First topic is about the new eligibility deadline for coronavirus vaccines. President Joe Biden announced that he is shaving about two weeks off his May 1st deadline for states to make all adults eligible for the coronavirus vaccines. Biden said that every adult in the U.S. will be eligible to be vaccinated by April 19th. States have been gradually expanding eligibility beyond such priority groups as seniors and essential frontline workers. As of Tuesday, 32% of Americans are partially vaccinated from the coronavirus, while 19% are considered fully vaccinated. Various experts have placed the threshold of fully vaccinated Americans to reach herd immunity at between 70 and 85%. Topic two, which is the new location of the MLB All-Star Game. The Associated Press reported on Monday that MLB plans to re relocate the 2021 MLB All-Star Game to Denver's Coors Field, home of the Colorado Rockies. MLB announced late last week that it was pulling the game from Atlanta after Georgia Republicans passed a sweeping voting registration bill. The bill has been condemned by Democrats and voting rights advocates. The bill will require an ID for all ballots. Proponents of the bill say provisions will reduce lines for voting and establish a minimum number of ballot boxes per county. However, voting rights groups complain that the bill would disproportionately dis disenfranchise voters of color. Moving on to topic three, which is the second week of the Derek Chauvin trial. The second week of the Derek Chauvin murder trial kicked off with the much anticipated testimony of Minneapolis Police Chief Arredondo, who outright condemned former police officer Derek Chauvin in the killing of George Floyd. He says Chauvin's use of force was in violation of Minneapolis Police Department policy. Another testimony came from Sergeant Kerr Yang, a Minneapolis Police Crisis Intervention Training Coordinator, who took the stand and reaffirmed the prosecution's line of reasoning that Chauvin was trained properly, but broke protocol in the fatal arrest of Floyd. And our next topic, which is the Timothy Thomas shooting that happened 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the shimmering concerns about a shooting of an unarmed Black man by police and the treatment of African-Americans by police in the poor communities bordering downtown Cincinnati erupted in civil unrest that brought worldwide negative attention to the city. April 7th marked the 20th anniversary of the civil unrest, a crisis that led over the last two decades to evolving reforms in police community relationships and racial relations. Stories from files of the Cincinnati Herald and other sources report that on that tense early April period in 2001, after an unarmed black man, Timothy Thomas, 
19, was shot and killed by Cincinnati police officer Stephen Roach in an alley in Over the Rhine while running from Roach. Mr. Thomas was attempting to avoid arrest for several traffic violations. Mr. Thomas hit a dead end in the alley. Roach later said that he thought Mr. Thomas was reaching for a gun in his baggy pants and fearing for his life shot him. Mr. Thomas was the 15th African-American killed by police since 1995 and Cincinnati's African-American residents have had enough. Another unarmed young black man, Roger Owensby Jr., had the previous, had the previous November died while in police custody, setting the stage for what was to follow after Mr. Thomas was killed. Uh, Andrea, which story stuck out to you the most? Um, Timothy Thomas. Um, 20 years ago, I was the assistant editor for the Herald, and I covered that whole incident for the paper. It was a trying time. It was um, the unrest, the civil unrest in the city caught everyone well, I should say it caught the majority community by surprise. The African-American community was on edge. They were tired. Um, I believe Timothy Thomas was like the 15th or 16th person to be killed in police custody. And they were tired of not having answers. They were tired of the police just saying, you know, giving random excuses, not really um, finding justice for the victims. And the fact that the police officers all got all exonerated from their actions. It just, it, it became um, Black people like they did last year, um, last summer, they're tired. Enough is enough. And people need to be, start being responsible for their actions, especially the police department. Now, luckily, what happened last year with George Floyd did not, has not happened here. Um, but that whole situation was a catalyst for change, better training for CPD, better community police relations with the black community, more community oriented policing, you know, taking a look at neighborhoods, how we can better um, take care of safety issues, things like that. The community police partner center was created because of the collaborative agreement that came out of all the situation. It was a trying time. I mean, I remember bits and pieces from it, but I remember um, the biggest thing that I remember from covering that situation was standing on the street corner of Vine Street watching a line of police officers in their gear, all geared up on edge, awaiting anything that could happen. And we were, I was standing on the corner, they were in the street waiting to march down Vine Street to hold people back who were protesting further down the street. They were blocks away because they were walking through downtown Cincinnati and coming up Vine and they were going down to meet them to hold the line so that nothing else would happen in over the Rhine at that point. It's something that you don't forget to coverage. And um, the unfairness of that, Lucan called a curfew in the city, but every neighborhood but the black neighborhoods did not comply with that curfew. And people were outraged because if the whole city was on lockdown, everyone should be on lockdown. And you, there were people out and about just walking um, because they didn't think it applied to them. And that was the, the basic issue that if, if, if one way was gonna happen in the city, everyone needs to apply, apply to, the, to, to what was going on. But I mean, it was, it was just a very interesting time to cover. Uh, Wade, what topic stood out the most to you? I have to concur and go with the Timothy Thomas also, but more so because of uh, what's still transpiring now with the trial up north 
Uh, we've seen this type of behavior over and over again, talking 20 years since, since Timothy Thomas, in 2021, 2020 with the George Floyd incident, uh, and we had many others. Uh, you have so many that happen over and over again throughout, not just Cincinnati, but throughout the nation. And uh, it, uh, so that's, that's to me that Timothy Thomas, because it's just uh, showing that nothing's really changed. There's been some minor changes, some improvements here and there, like she, Andrea Carter mentioned, uh, Cincinnati uh, has some things come out of that, like the collaborative agreement, things like that. But uh, when you look at it overall, nationwide and everything, uh, we're still fighting the same struggle we fought in the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, the uh, 1910 uh, and, and beyond. Timothy Thomas is just as a reminder that nothing has changed. Uh, Suhana, which story stuck out the most to you? Um, hey, John, uh, the story which in particular is the highest relevance to me of today is the vaccination story, but the separate three other stories, which two of them heavily focused on the black rights and representation, and second one on voting rights representation is fascinating equally. Uh, my uh, former speakers, Andrea and Wade, covered adequately on the topic of the riot, and uh, the and they and this topic has my equal sympathies because I, they covered the same things which I would have wanted to say about this topic, and it feels it feels almost surprising that the history is repeating. Uh, once every two decades or once every decade is just the stories that reach out to us and what we hear because if somebody didn't believe that it was relevant to discuss the the riot 20 years later uh, I think I would have never known about it as I'm not from Cincinnati and I was not uh, uh, not really awake during when 20 years ago I was barely born that time so I would have never known that part of the history but the coming back to the story that uh, has my highest relevance is the vaccine story is because today I got my vaccine and uh, seeing being in the scene, I saw that there has been a huge number of people driving around to get their vaccines in the driveways and doctors and nurses adequately managing and constantly being on their toes to give us the vaccination at the same time, maintaining the decent protocols of making sure that no patient is neglected because uh, letting them wait for a while before they leave after taking the vaccine, despite the heavy rush. And assuming that the May 1 is the deadline and uh, President Biden believes that if this whole time goes successful, we will be able to have a 4th of July celebration together. Looks quite achievable, but at the same time, we know the apprehensions a lot of the people in the community have about the vaccines, which is an underlying factor, which makes me think that maybe the goal we are trying to achieve may not be reached, but if how we media portrays that it has been achieved, it could be an understanding that there has been a convenient neglect to the of the point that people have there are people still out there in the community who are apprehensive of the vaccine and I think in the coming months that will be something that we should look out for that how the national statistics represents the consumption of the vaccine so this is my lookout on this topic and 
for the topic where the MBL has, am I spelling it right? Yes, MLBs, my apologies. Uh, understand that MLB has pulled out because to show their support of their um, of support of the voting rights makes me surprised of seeing an organization taking such a vague decision. But I think this is long coming at the age of 2021, where I think people in the power or people at the stand of representation should make up their minds and give out an opinion and take stances that makes community feel that their voices are just not lost in the echo, but heard somewhere and is responding. Thank you. That's my take on the stories today. No, those are all very good takes. Well, definitely the Timothy Thomas one stood out to me the most. I think I was maybe in sixth or seventh grade when that happened. And I don't remember much but I do remember the curfew and but I do remember the boycott and everything and the people you know rioting in the streets so I knew I knew it was a very big deal at the time but uh, also the story that caught my interest was definitely the MLB all-star game going to Colorado and it just made me think even further about like what this voting law is doing to Georgia and like what the MLB all-star game is going to pull out of there what's to stop, you know, other industries from pulling out of there. And that got me to thinking about, you know, the movie industry, because a lot of films are taking advantage of Georgia's tax breaks to film down there. It would just be interesting to see, like, if this voting law, like, are people going to start, like, boycotting Georgia because, you know, that would be bad because, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people in Georgia obviously didn't vote for that law. You know, they didn't vote for the officials who made that into law. So I think it will be interesting to see how this voting law just impacts business in Georgia, just in general. Those are the top, those are some of the topics of the day. And now we are going to move on to our main topic, which is owning it. And now we're going to hand it to our special guest, Royce Sutton. So how you doing, Royce? I am doing great. I I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, glad that uh, you have taken time to share the mic uh, with, uh, with me today and uh, get a chance to talk about some good stuff relative to home ownership. Definitely. So for the people who don't know about owning it, can you tell us what owning it is about? You know, uh, Owning It is a workshop that we started, oh, I want to say about four years ago, uh, we being Fifth Third Bank, in partnership with uh, the Cincinnati Herald, uh, the African American Chamber, and a few other partners out there. And uh, when, we look, when we were looking at uh, home ownership among African Americans, we, we saw that uh, we just weren't seeing the numbers uh, of homeowners uh, among African-Americans that we would like to see. Right now, nationally, African-Americans have a homeownership rate of just about 39%, and whereas white families have a homeownership rate of 74%. So those types of, uh, those types of numbers are pretty staggering, especially when you think about you know, all the things that homeownership can do. So we put together a workshop and have been doing this workshop over the last you know, uh, few years. And we're gonna have another one coming up here very soon. And every workshop is different, um, but all of it's intended to equip, arm, and get everyone out there uh, in a position where they're ready to go uh, with home ownership. Uh, it, it's a fun thing. So uh, uh, on the 24th of this month, uh, 12 noon, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna make it happen. Yeah, I was able to watch the uh 
the workshop last year and you guys did a very, very good job, especially considering that the owning it workshop in the past years were, you know, in person, but obviously due due to the, you know, pandemic, it had to be virtual last year. But I have to I have to ask, what was the hardest thing about converting the owning it workshop? to um you know just be all virtual what, what would you say what was the biggest challenge of that well you know J john you know i think when we talk about the own it workshop we've done we've done all of them in person you know we, we would have a you know, venue and we we do our workshop had a lot of people show up but when uh COVID 19 changed how we talk how we function operate and how we uh how, how close we are to each other we, we knew we had to make a change uh, so we decided that, hey, let's use some of this technology out here uh, that people are now becoming acquainted with, Zoom in particular, Facebook Live, and let's take this homeownership workshop straight to people using these digital, uh, these digital tools and really talk about it in such a way where we still draw people in close. So, you know, our last several workshops have been virtual and the response has been extremely strong, uh, but it's just a recognition uh, that you can reach people in a variety of ways. So now we don't have to worry about people necessarily having to um, uh, get in their cars and travel to uh, to the venue, uh, worry about whether they've got the right clothes on, uh, you know, fear, fearful of asking a question. Not, not, not with this. With this virtual piece, you know, we present, we're right in their homes, we're right in people's telephones, uh, and we're talking about home ownership, making it very real, because when you talk about home ownership, especially among African Americans, uh, this is a pathway to wealth. Uh, and for me, this is personal. Uh, I am absolutely adamant about home ownership. I started my banking career uh, around this idea of getting African Americans into homes. Uh, I started my banking career reaching out uh, to African American communities. Uh, talking about talking about home ownership because for me, uh, when I became a homeowner, oh man, it was thrilling. Uh, it was something I knew I had made a new step uh, in the in in my in my journey and in my path toward financial wholeness, and uh, that was something I want other people to share in as well. Uh, so so when we do this owning it workshop, it is very personal uh, for every person who is on who's involved with this workshop. They're going to hear something that they they're going to pick up, and it's going to pique their interest. I, I really truly believe that homeownership um, for a lot of folk uh, has made a big difference in how they think about money, how they think about their family, how they think about how they're engaged in the community. Definitely. Now, what would you say to a person right now? You know, it's we're still in the pandemic, even though we're getting better, but you know, we're still in the pandemic. Money's tight but they want to buy a home. Like they really want that, you know, they really want that wealth. What would you say to, you know, to convince them to give this a try and everything? Uh, first thing I tell them, don't be scared. <laughs> uh, just, just, just trust that there are some professionals out here who are looking after their best interests. You don't have to come to the table knowing everything about home ownership. You don't even have to know where you even want to buy a home. All you need to know is this is something you have an interest in, you've got a passion for this, and we've got people who can walk you through 
every single step of the process with with their with their in, better interest in mind. Uh, the other part of it too, when you when you think about home ownership, so for so for folks who've never ever owned a home before, and you and you're thinking about, oh man, I've been renting all these years. You know, I'm okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with renting. Eh, it's not the best, but you know, uh, home ownership just seems like such a big thing. Uh, so so w- why should I take take this step when when I when I see Mike? Okay, because there are some real advantages. Uh, it is truly the pathway toward wealth. Yes, that sounds excellent, actually. Does anyone have any questions for Royce as far as owning it goes? Because the more questions, the better. Let me let me add one more thing before we get to the questions, John. Just, yeah. just one other thing. So, oh, so when we talk when we talk about this idea of home ownership, and you're sitting there thinking, well, maybe my credit isn't where it ought to be. Uh, maybe I don't have enough experience. Maybe I'm too young. Maybe I'm too old. Uh, maybe I'm single. Uh, maybe my uh, when I think about uh, uh, what I hear from other people, homeownership just seems like something so big and so scary. I can't go down that path. Absolutely, homeownership is an individual decision, and I say this with 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 all with all uh, sincerity. And that is, homeownership is not for everyone. It, it's not for everyone. But for those who choose to go down this path, uh, those individuals, those families can see that this is a positive thing in a lot of ways. Because when you compare renting to owning, uh, it's actually cheaper to own your own home rather than renting. Uh, Every time you make a house payment, every time you write that mortgage payment, the first of the month, the fifth of the month, when you write that payment, you're actually writing a check back to yourself. When you make a check, when you write that check or make that payment on your rent, uh, the landlord keeps every dime of it. Uh, it's all his. You get nothing back. You grow no equity out of that. It, it it does nothing to enhance you other than the idea that it keeps you in that in that apartment, in that situation, at least one more month. Does anyone have a question for Royce about the owning it seminar? I mean, the owning it webinar in general. Uh, yeah, just just myself. I, I've got three adult children, and uh, they all speak of wanting to own a home. But what they think of a home in a homeowner, they all think is somewhere way down the road, and they'll eventually get to it. But Roy says, you and I both know uh, years fly by, and if you don't plan to start doing something now, uh, you'll look around and 15, 20 years have already passed. So what would you say to that 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 adult that that wants to own a home but they think is somewhere down the road and they'll get to it? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, for every young man, every young lady out there, there's an old woman and an old man just right around the corner. Uh, it, it goes faster than what people would ever imagine when we think about time. And when you keep delaying decisions. Uh, it makes it harder. It makes it more difficult to make a decision when you delay it. So what I encourage those who are just thinking about that path, sit down with your banker. Now, your banker is not just there just to make deposits or withdrawals or go to the ATM. Do we do those things? Absolutely. But they're also a person who can give you advice. Use your bank or your banker to be able to do that, uh, or you can sit down and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about home ownership. This is how much I make. Uh, this is what I, this is when I want to do it. Is this something that's achievable?" Is this, and, and your banker will walk you through that process. Uh, and for some, they may be ready to go right then and there. 
Uh, others, you know, it, it might be three months or six months down the road, but your banker will tell you where you stand uh, in that journey. So fear is a very real thing when it comes to making large financial decisions, but I, I can assure you this, uh, you will be no richer, you'll be no better off 10 years from now if you never ever make that decision. Uh, you'll never ever build that wealth. Uh, you'll never ever be able to think about how uh, in your next Thanksgiving dinner, when we're able to all sit down together, you're sitting at your own table in your own house and you don't have to worry about playing your music too loud. <laughs> because it's your place. You can arrange the furniture, paint the walls the way you want because it's all yours. You've decided that it's yours and it's your piece of heaven. Uh, God isn't making any more land, so you better take what, what's out there right now. So that's what I tell people who are delaying that decision, who can't really decide whether they should or shouldn't. It Nothing hurts a con with having a conversation, just sitting down and exploring the options. So we'll sit down, we'll look at your income, uh, we'll talk about credit and what that means. And what I often find is on that credit, on that credit discussion, some in, in many cases, a person's credit is better than what they think it is. But if it's not there, we can give you steps, we can give you tips on how to improve and how to strengthen your credit. We can give you tips, we can give you ideas of how to manage and tweak your budget where you can maybe squeeze more dollars out of there. Maybe you're spending may too, too much money on eating out, or maybe you're spending way too much money on Amazon. You know, there, there, there might be some things that we can help work, help you to work through so you can get to that point where you're ready for home ownership. And I can assure you when you do that, when you get to that process and you've got that partner walking with you, you're gonna feel very confident uh, that home ownership was a great decision for you. I, um, I know, Royce, you said that um, credit, everyone can, you can walk people through the credit. What is the bare bones of credit level that you need to start the process? Well, well I, I, it, it, and I hate to answer your question like this, uh, but the, the, the response is it depends. <laughs> so it depends on what type of loan uh, you may ultimately want to you want to get. Um, normally, we're looking at a credit score of somewhere in the neighborhood of around 650, uh, something like that. But that's of course it depends on an individual situation. So the better your credit score is, the better position you are to actually negotiate and to talk about terms. Um, there are a number of different products out there. You know, for, for a person who maybe wants to pay their house off maybe a little quicker, you know, they want to get a 15-year loan. Uh, the, the average person kind of starts out with a 30-year loan and people like, oh man, that is a long time. 30 years to have a loan. But let's say every time you make a payment for that loan, you're actually paying yourself. Uh, so when you think about this idea of credit and what it means, th the best way to do is just 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 get started. And let's say you aren't there credit-wise, we can help get you in a position where you find ways to, uh, maybe there, there are some things out, of, maybe there's some judgments out there, you need to get those taken care of. Maybe you've got some, some uh, credit out there that you didn't even realize you still had. Maybe there's some mistakes. There could be some mistakes on your credit, uh, helping you getting those cleaned up and cleared off your credit. Uh, could then enhance your scores. So, so that that is the, the the credit is is a piece that gets people a little bit a little bit nervous, a little bit jittery. Uh, but we can help 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 uh, ease some of those fears. Well, that was really 
really good advice. And I definitely learned even more about owning it. So thanks for coming on, Royce. We really, really appreciate all of your wisdom. Well, thank you, John. And again, that is April 24th, Saturday, April 24th at 12 noon. And they'll need to go on to the Herald and sign up. Uh, We'll get folks plugged in. We can accommodate over a thousand people but we are going to be talking to just one person. That's you out there listening and you're thinking about homeownership. Thank you so much. And yes, like Royce said, it's going to be on Saturday, April 24th. Just look for the Owning It ad on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also search for it on Eventbrite. When you go on Eventbrite, just search for Owning It 2021 and it should be the first result that pops up. So I want to thank all of our guests Andrea, Sahana, Wade for coming on today and discussing these uh, news topics. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, John. And make sure to tune in next week for our next podcast. And if you want to check out these stories we talked about today, check out our website at www.thecincinnatiherald.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph Beth Booksellers, and at select service stations. Follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Just search for the Herald TV and also follow us on our TikTok channel just at the Cincinnati Herald. And remember to get vaccinated because in the state of Ohio, anyone over the age of 16 is now eligible to get a vaccination shot. So I am John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald and have a good day. <laughs>